The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. How are you now? <laughs> How are you on this fine weekend? Assuming, of course, that you are listening on the weekend. I don't know. You do you. Tank Nation. How you doing? <laughs> Your Montreal Canadiens lose five to two to the Ottawa Senators. Hello and welcome to episode fifty-nine of the Bottom Six Minutes podcast, presented by Habs Eyes on the Prize. Um, <clears throat> look. My name is Matt Drake, and uh, I am slowly wanting to join Tank Nation a little bit when I watch some of these games. I mean, that was one where they probably deserved to win. They looked like the better team to me for the better part of the game. But, you know, you, you give up some bad chances going the other way, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, it's, it's a different game. They missed a couple of chances that really could have changed the complexion of that game as well. And as much as I'd like to see them beat the Ottawa Senators, I feel like that was karma for that uh, win over the Devils recently, you know, where they weren't really supposed to be the team walking away with the two points in that one, and they ended up getting them anyways. Uh, yeah, I, I felt like this was kind of the hockey gods getting the Habs back for that one. So what are you going to do? Um, if you're an Ottawa fan and you're listening to this, um, first of all, what the fuck are you doing listening to a guy like me? I'm not going to say anything nice about your team. And number two, I wouldn't feel too confident about that win. Uh, you were outshot, largely outchanced by the Montreal Canadiens, who are a team that is, you know, for better or worse, probably going to be in the bottom five of the league or close to it at the very least. I would not be hanging my hat on that 5-2 win just because the score was 5-2. That game could have gone very differently. So, you know what? Let's get into the recap. And uh, I, I do have some things that I want to talk about at the end of the recap. This might be a little bit of a shorter episode because something's going on with my mic here. Uh, I think I need to get a new mic, which, you know, I'm probably overdue for one anyways, but uh, what are you going to do? Let's get into the recap. It was an interesting game, and, um, you know, the first bit of the game was, uh, you know, it was a very sketchy start for the Montreal Canadiens. Five minutes into the game, the shots were 5 nothing for Ottawa. Not what you want to see. Not what you want to see, regardless of tanking or, or whatever. You don't want to see your team get run completely out of the building, but... You know, it takes them six minutes to get their first shot on goal, but then they started picking things up uh, from there until the end of the period. Now, uh, Austin Watson landed a bit of a piece of shit hit on Justin Barron, and he got penalized for it, so good call by the refs. Uh, but it was, I was like, you know, I'm not surprised that he's taking liberties all of a sudden with the sheriff not available for the Montreal Canadiens. I sincerely doubt that he would have tried to land that hit if Arbor Jacki was sitting on that bench because he did it right in front of the Habs bench. But I digress. Watson ends up opening the scoring with a a little bit less than five minutes on the clock. Face-off win in the offensive zone for the Senators. Nick Holden gets a quick shot from the point, and Watson gets a nifty tip on it, gets through Samuel Montembeau, and it's one nothing for the Senators. Now, the Habs had a much, 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 much better second period. That 
you know, momentum, the, 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 the better play that they were putting on through the course of the first period, it very much carried for them into the second period. Um, and Michael Pizzetta ends up landing a big hit on Eric Brandstrom. That leads to a fight between him and Austin Watson. And Pizzetta seems to kind of lose that fight, but it seems to also energize the Montreal Canadiens, at least energize Mike Matheson. Because not long after that fight, Mike Matheson just flies through the neutral zone with the puck by himself, gets into the offensive zone, takes a shot, goes around Thomas Chabot, and roofs the rebound to make it 1-1. Shots at that point are now 15-5 in favor of the Habs. So it's a completely different game since the Ottawa goal. A few minutes later, Raphael Harvey-Pinal goes off for interference, but all of the chances during that power play, they're, they're not Sens chances. The Habs are getting chances. The Habs looking like the way better team at this point in the second period. And right after the penalty, as soon as it's over, Johnny Kovacevic spots Nick Suzuki streaking in the middle of the neutral zone. He hits him. Suzuki has a breakaway. Deeks and just tucks that puck in on the forehand around Mad Sogard. Makes it 2-1 to one for the Montreal Canadiens now. However... Little over five to go in the period. Alex DeBrincat, he gets a chance in tight. He mishandles it a little bit, but he turns around below the goal line and sees Shane Pinto completely left alone out in front. Uh, puts it tape to tape, and that's an easy one for Pinto. He makes it two to two, and that's your score at the end of 40. Now, the refs in the third period, uh, all of a sudden, they're putting away the whistles. There was a brutal high stick landed uh, by Mathieu Joseph on Jonathan Drouet right in the nose. Should have been a four-minute penalty, and they don't call it. Uh, now, it was accidental, but I cannot believe that the rest didn't notice that one. He was swinging around with his stick. You're responsible for where your stick goes. That should have been a four-minute penalty, and it wasn't. And then guess what? Significantly less than four minutes after that happens, uh, Habs end up icing the puck. Another face-off leads to another goal for the Sens. Travis Hamannick this time taking a point shot, and Austin Watson again getting a piece of it on the way. That makes it 3-2 to two for the Sens. Not long after that, Nick Suzuki gets a golden chance with another breakaway, but he runs right into Sogard and misses the net with the puck. Goes back the other way, and Drake Batherson just does a little toe-drag release. Beats Samuel Montembeau and makes it 4-2. to two. Wheels are off at this point for the Habs. Julien Gauthier, with about 8 minutes left, gets a partial break. Just pulls it back and snipes on Samuel Montembeau, makes it 5-2. to two. Not Samuel Montembeau's best game, but I think we're going to have to forgive that one for him considering how he's played most of the time this season. Uh, that's your final five to two in favor of the Sens. Kind of a shit sandwich, <laughs> but Tank Nation, you got to be happy about that one, right? You got to be happy about them getting a loss. Uh, Philly also lost today, so you know you want to keep pace with them in this, you know, macabre race for the bottom here, where we want to see our teams lose all the time. It sucks. It's not fun. Uh, but also Columbus won and Anaheim won, so it was a good day for the Tank. Tank Nation must be smiling right now. Um, now let's get to silver lining of the night. Um, I don't think there's any way for me to give it to anybody other than Mike Matheson. He played fantastic yet again. I wrote about him after last game and I talked about it on the podcast as well, that maybe he's playing himself into the trade deadline conversation. Is it possible that he's the best defender they have right now to move because he might get the highest price? I still think that might be the case. Would I trade him? Right, Because there was a lot of people who were commenting on my article or sending me tweets being like, what are you talking about? Why do you want to trade him? What the fuck are you talking about, Drake? Well, I don't really want to trade him. 
The only reason I wrote about that is because I'm hearing rumors, right? Georges Larac said that he heard from a source that it's basically a done deal and he's going to be traded before the deadline. I don't know the veracity of that, but there's smoke. And where there's smoke, I tend to talk about it and write articles. But honestly, I'm looking at the way that Mike Matheson's playing right now, and I'm leaning towards keeping him. I think it would take a king's ransom for me to be okay with them moving Mike Matheson at this point. He was fantastic in that game. He was fantastic the night before. He's been fantastic lately. Ever since he landed that bump back high hit on Eric Stahl and got himself a fine, he completely turned his game around. He started playing amazing hockey. His skating is off the charts. Like The way that he scored that goal against the Senators, man, just flying through the neutral zone, and then of all defensemen to just go around like it's nothing for it to be Thomas Shabbat, that's fantastic. This is a guy that you can, you know, if you get better around him, he could be a legitimate top pair guy. And if he's like a second pair guy for you because you end up graduating other defensemen and you don't need him on your top pair, wow, is he a luxury to have on your second pair. I mean... I'm impressed. I really like the way that he's playing right now. I don't really want to see them trade him. However, this is why I wrote the article yesterday. I don't think he's untouchable. He can't be untouchable. You've got like four or five guys maybe on the Habs right now that are untouchable that are like absolutely we're not trading them, right? Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, Caden uh, Gooley, maybe Uri Slavkovsky. Personally, I, I would probably consider trading Uri Slavkovsky if the right offer came along. I think I think it's a little bit weird to trade somebody that you just drafted first overall, but whatever. I don't necessarily think he's untouchable. It's a short list of people who are untouchable, and I don't think that Mike Matheson is on it. However, again, I did not write that article because I feel like they should trade him. I wrote that article because I feel like maybe he's a dark horse candidate because he's going to get them a better return than anybody else that they're going to possibly trade. I think veteran defenders are definitely on the chopping block first. And if you look at the chopping block, there's not a lot of veteran defenders. So you'd probably say that Joel Edmondson and David Savard are the two that you'd want to trade the most, right? But they're also the two that are not necessarily going to have the same kind of interest that a Mike Matheson would have on the market. So look, I'm not saying I'm in favor of trading him. I'm saying that he's not untouchable, and I'm saying that there, there may be some offers rolling in. I just hope that if the Habs do decide to trade him, that they make sure they're getting an offer that they absolutely cannot refuse. It needs to be a 2023 first-round pick, plus, plus, plus. we got to be getting a really good prospect, potentially another pick, potentially two other picks to really consider moving this guy because you got to look at his contract too. His contract is, is excellent value for what he brings signed for another three years so he's a controllable asset don't trade him unless it's a really good offer another i guess silver lining i don't know if you want to call this a silver lining because it's not like they blew the doors off against ottawa but i like the way the power play is looking lately they're starting to get way better at you know number one opening up the seams for them to make cross seam passes and they're also getting better at actually completing those passes. So you're seeing a lot of lateral movement on the power play, which is good. It was missing for them before. You're seeing them get to the slot more, which is good. That was very missing from their power play in previous years. It's going to be super important for this team to have a working power play when they get to the other side of the rebuild. When you cross that bridge and all of a sudden you're starting to compete with the Bostons of the league, you, you, you can't be doing it with a busted power play. Like, that's, you know, that's taking a knife to a gunfight. It's a problem. It's a real problem. And although it wasn't, you know, the best game they've ever had from a power play standpoint, I liked what I saw. 
So that suggests to me, because lately it's been you know pretty decent, suggests to me that they're finally implementing a better system. They're finally achieving some consistency, and I think once the personnel improves when they're you know when they're healthy, and when they've got some of their rookies that graduate next season, and maybe they got new blood in the lineup, I think they could have you know a more than functional power play. It could be a dangerous one. Um, they just have to keep on this same path that they're on right now, and I think Martin Saint Louis is doing a great job. Um, let, let's let's see where it leads, right? I guess the third silver lining, if you will, was the fact that they were the better team. They were, they looked better than the Senators, and the Senators are a team that has a chance at getting into the playoffs this season. They're a team that you know what announced that their rebuild was finished, right? Habs, we know it's not finished. We know they're not trying to rush this process, but. To go up against a team that's better than you on paper, uh, that's healthier, that has most of their lineup pretty well intact, and that still thinks they have playoffs, playoff aspirations this year, and to be the better team than them through the course of 60 minutes, I think that's a pretty significant win for the Habs. Again, this goes back to coaching for me. I've said it in previous episodes. I feel like with all the injuries they've had, uh, they've been somehow able to put together a system that's allowing them to be competitive with teams that are better on paper than them, that have better talent than them. Martin Saint-Louis is putting them in a position to succeed. I like what he's doing with this team. Um, you know, I, I think they're in good hands through this rebuild. It's just going to take uh, a little bit of luck maybe. And I guess on that note, the last thing I want to talk about today is, is I guess the tank, right? Because Tank Nation... We've been having these conversations constantly. The Habs are winning some games that they probably shouldn't. Uh, they're they're losing some games that they probably shouldn't as well, though. So it's not like they have completely ruined their chances at Connor Bedard. Okay, right now they're in seventh last. Okay, they are a few points ahead of Vancouver uh, and Arizona. San Jose is right there as well. But some of these bottom teams have started to win recently, so they're not that far ahead of like the Columbuses and the Anaheims. Are they ever going to catch Columbus and Anaheim for last place? I don't think so, right? I think at best they're going to get down to fourth last. And in order for that to happen, I think we really need to look at this deadline. And I think Kent Hughes needs to be looking at this deadline and saying, who can I move that's going to make a difference on this front? I don't know. I think really it would take potentially moving Samuel Montembeau because he's the one who's kind of been stealing games. But if you look at some of those other teams... I think Arizona and Vancouver stand a pretty good chance of getting ahead of Montreal. Montreal's schedule for the rest of the season is pretty rough, right? It's, just, it's not even me saying Arizona and Vancouver are better than Montreal. It's just saying Montreal's got a rough schedule, and I think those other two teams can get ahead of them. I don't know about San Jose, Chicago. I doubt it, um, although they're on a four-game winning streak right now, so what the fuck's going on there? Um, look, the, the, the tank's not dead. Everybody keeps saying, oh, well, we're... We we uh, if we finish sixth or fifth last, it's like we're we're never gonna have a shot at Connor Bedard. You still have a shot. You, there's still the lottery. Some people believe the lottery's rigged. Maybe he's gonna rig it in favor of Arizona because we know Gary Bettman loves them. But maybe he rigs it in favor of Montreal because he wants to get the one of the best players in the world to go to a big market. I don't know. Maybe just maybe it's not rigged and they get a 7.5 percent chance of winning it or whatever, and they get lucky. And even if they don't. There's a lot of good players in that top 10 this year. If they were to get, you know, the fifth overall pick and they got Zach Benson, I promise you all, in another year, there's a, there's, a, there's another universe out there in the multiverse where Connor Bedard's not available in this draft and Zach Benson is in the conversation for first overall. That's how good the, the top part of this draft is. So 
I don't think that we need to be too concerned with with falling as far as possible. Of course, it's ideal. Um, we want to see some of those teams win. We want to see the Habs lose a little bit. But the good news is, wherever they land in that top 10, they're going to be able to get really good talent. So uh, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a good summer for uh, Montreal Canadiens fans. And, um, you know, next season might be a little bit more exciting for us. Playoff good? Mm, maybe not. But more exciting at the very least. More wins we can hope for. That's all I really got for you today. Um, I didn't like that game. That game bothered me. But, uh, hey, it's a loss. It's one for the tank. We're running what? Uh, a little over 16 minutes. So, encore, c'est une grosse soirée pour les employés de soutien. Uh, we're on Spotify, Google Play. We're on Apple. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate it very much. I'm also on Substack, mattdrake.substack.com. Uh, I am posting some work there uh, still until we... Uh, officially transition Eyes on the Prize over to a new platform. We are still working on that, and it's going to be happening as of April 1st. Stay tuned. And, of course, à la prochaine.